0: To our Evangelism Believers Ministry series. We are super excited to have Pastor Jim with us tonight and for the next six weeks, I believe. And um, as we enter into this, I just encourage you to have a heart um, that asks questions. And I would encourage you to have two questions in your mind. The first question would be Who do you want me to reach? And the second question would be, how do you want me to reach them? And leading people to Christ uh, is, can be incredibly varied. And I believe as we listen to the Holy Spirit, we're led by the Holy Spirit on how we reach people for Jesus, uh, we will be more effective. And this comes on the back of a vision that the Lord gave us last week and it was in two parts the first part of the vision was it was a uh, mechanical harvester harvesting uh, the grain that was ripe and that's God's plan and purpose to bring many into his kingdom at this time and the second part of the vision was that there was three bookshelves which were fairly empty of books except for one book and one old dusty book and when i looked to the title on that dusty book it had uh the the title was how to win the lost and i believe the lord is wanting to teach us as a church the best way to reach those around us and the old methods may not work as well as god's current methods so I'm going to hand over to Pastor Jim, but I would just like us all just to to come with humble hearts and uh just have that question in in your mind, how can I reach the lost? How can I help people know Jesus? Amen. Pastor Jim, thank you.
1: Praise the Lord, thank you. Pastor, it's a joy to be with you and uh, I'm excited about the opportunity Uh, we're going to do about six or seven uh, sessions uh, on how believers are going to reach out to people in their world and bring in a great harvest of souls and uh, there's five things that i just want to mention right at the very beginning that we're going to be looking at what we are doing number one is that we are preparing for the next move of God and number two what we're going to be looking at is the saints of God doing the work of the ministry and number three we're going to be looking at that you are anointed and number four you are empowered and number five I like number five you are a life giver so we're going to be talking here about uh, your part in bringing in the greatest harvest this world has ever seen. Let me just give you a little bit of background as how uh, God led me into what I'm about to teach over the next few weeks. Uh, In 2006, and I'll never forget this, uh, Jan and I, my wife and I, were in America, and uh, we flew into this uh, little town in America. It was a 40-minute flight from the main airport to this place, and when we landed... Uh, our luggage didn't come with us. I don't know what they did with it, but it did not turn up. And so we're just standing there in our clothes that we arrived in. And uh, there was a Wednesday, and we were going from the airport to the church to do the Wednesday night meeting. And uh, so all my notes and Bibles were in the bags that didn't arrive. And so the pastor quickly took us to the hotel where we just quickly freshened up. And I remember asking the Lord when I got up into the hotel room, what do you want me to preach? because I didn't have any notes, didn't have a Bible. My uh, Jan had a little uh, travel Bible that she had on her, and the Lord gave me a scripture to preach. And I got up there in the church, and I didn't even have time to, to sort of pray about it, because we spent quite a bit of time at the airport trying to sort the luggage situation out. And so when I got up to preach, as I started to preach the, the, from the message or the, the verse of scripture the Lord gave me, something very interesting happened. And uh, it's happened to me a couple of times in ministry when I got up to preach and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Son, the message that you're about to bring is not for the people, it's for you, because you're the one with the problem. And uh, what the problem was, and this is how it sort of evolved in the message, is that I had, uh, and at that time I was going to China uh, many times during the year, and I was working with the underground church and the underground church in China and it still is today, even more so today was going through a lot of uh, persecution and I was talking to people that had just come out of prison some of the people that I worked with ended up going to prison and uh, they were under a great deal of of stress and I was going to Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan and again uh, those believers were under a great deal of persecution and a pressure from governments and, uh, and so I was hanging around these people. And I'd come home to Australia. and Now, you've got to remember, this is, this is me, okay? This is probably not you, but this is where I was at. I'd come home to Australia, and, and people were just saying, oh, I don't know whether I want to go to church, or I had a late night, uh, so I don't think I'll go, and oh, I've had enough of this and that. And, and so I, I got to a point where I'd given up on the West. And I'd given up, and I thought, well, I just want to hang out with people in restricted access countries that are passionate for God, on fire for God, still pressing in and and doing all the stuff that they were doing. And so as I'm preaching this message, uh, uh, in 2006, the Spirit of God said to me, Son, your problem is you forgot me. You forgot the God factor and that I'm still in charge and that I have a plan for a a revival that's going to touch the whole world now this what the Lord said to me in 2006 boy is it ever relevant for us today in our world and what we're looking at and what we're going through and sometimes you know we could be wondering you know where are we going and, and what's God about to do well what the Spirit of God said to me he said a number of things to me that night but one of the things he said I'm not going to have half my church on fire with uh, uh, signs, wonders and miracles and people being saved and the other half shriveled up and nothing happened. He said, I'm going to have my entire church worldwide on fire with souls coming into the kingdom and signs, wonders and miracles. And uh, I got off that platform that night, changed. And then the Lord started to show me what I'm going to teach you tonight. He started to show me part of the plan And I say part of the plan because what I'm about to share with you is something we add to what we're already doing. And uh, so if we could open our Bibles to James chapter 5, and uh, I want to read from verses 7 and 8, James chapter 5 and verses 7 to 8. And we're going to look at tonight uh, what the Lord showed me back then and what I've been working on uh, since 2006 and developing uh, some of this particular uh, uh, outreach that God is doing. So, James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now this verse of scripture here is is talking uh, about the coming of the Lord and the farmer is waiting patiently and the farmer here really is the Lord and he's waiting patiently for something and we could ask ourselves what is God waiting for? You know there's a lot of different prophecies and about the end times and And some people said all the prophecies have been fulfilled and and all this, but still the Lord hasn't come back. And so we could be asking ourselves a very important question. What is the Lord waiting for? And I believe what he's waiting for, and we are told here he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Well, to God, what would be the precious fruit of the earth? Well, it would be simply this. It would be souls. God is not Willing that anybody perish. God is waiting for souls to come into the kingdom of God. And God is wanting to see a great harvest of souls. He wants to see people coming into the kingdom of God in their uh, uh, millions, millions of people all over the world. Now, if this is what God is waiting for, and this is what he's looking at uh, uh, to to be a part of, of the last days, then if this is what God is waiting for and this is what God wants, he wants a great harvest of souls, then we'd have to assume that God has a way to bring this to pass. If this is what he's waiting for, God must have a plan on how to bring this to pass. And uh, I I believe that we're going to see this tonight and this is what the Lord had shown me. Uh, what part of this plan was and we can see this over in Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verses 11 and 12 Ephesians chapter 4 and we're going to have a look here is is it possible in our generation right now with all that's happening in the world is it possible that God has a plan to bring in a great harvest of souls into the kingdom of God well, here it is in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And uh, this is uh, what we call the five-fold ministry gifts. And, and you know, primarily, uh, we have looked at these gifts that God has given and we have looked at them and we expect them to do all the work. You know, we expect particularly the pastor, you know, we expect the pastor, you know, it's your job, Pastor. You've got to do a great job here if you don't have the anointing on you and you don't have the presence of God on you to build our church and, and to cause people to come running in the front door. It's your responsibility. And and, and that's how we've basically looked at it. You know, I've been to, to churches uh, in other countries and uh, where I've preached this. And uh, there are some countries where the pastor preaches, only the pastor or the evangelist can get people saved and pray for the sick. Now, you know, we don't preach that necessarily in our country, but it's almost implied because we say bring people to church because that's where it's all going to happen. And so we'll have a little bit of a look at that as we get into this course as well. And, and, and pastors, if you're listening to this, relax, it'll all pan out all right in the end. But we have looked at the fact that it's really the job of the fivefold ministry to go out and to do the work of the ministry. Well, folks, there's a, a real problem with that as we start looking at it, because if I was to, and I've done this, and if you were all here tonight, and uh, we were doing this in a full church, I would ask, how many apostles do we have in the room? And interestingly, we probably don't have any apostles. How many prophets? Well, we might, someone might think they're a prophet every now and again. I've got a few would-be's, if they could be. Uh, and uh, so how many apostles? Well, then we ask, you know, how many prophets and how many evangelists? Well, sometimes you get a few hands up. You know how many pastors? And you'll find that in a meeting, you might end up with two or three people in that whole meeting of of building. And I've done meetings where there's been hundreds of people. And so in the fivefold ministry, we get three or four people. And I say to them, well, if we're expecting those people to do all the work, then I think we're going to be struggling to get the job done. But primarily, that's how we have done the work in the past. But see, we've always talked about five ministries, but there's actually a sixth ministry in this whole passage of Scripture that uh, we are looking at here. And the next verse goes on in verse 12, and it tells us, For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So if we put this in context now, we're going to find out that the five-fold ministry, their job now is to equip the saints of God to do the work of the ministry. Now, let me just uh, qualify and clarify. What is the work of the ministry? Well, the work of the ministry is, number one, is getting people saved. Number two, praying for the sick. Number three is discipling people. Let me just give those to you again. The work of the ministry is number one is getting people saved. Number two is praying for the sick. Number three is discipling people. Now, we need to see here that that is the work of the ministry that the saints of God are called to do. And the fivefold ministry, their job, or part of their job, is to be able to train the believers how to do their ministry and uh, this is an an important part uh, of uh, the work of the ministry today you know uh, one of the things that we we need to see here is that if I could put it this way uh, sheep beget sheep as believers you are sheep in God's pasture sheep beget sheep now listen shepherds don't beget sheep shepherds pastors look after sheep and what do they do what are pastors to do well pastors feed the sheep they clean the sheep up they keep them on track they keep the wolves away so we see here that the job of the fivefold ministry or the or the the pastor is to feed the sheep but the sheep it's their job to go out and to do the work of the ministry now, let me just uh, read this from the Passion Translation because the Passion Translation really brings it out nice and clear. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 from the Passion Translation says, And he appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers, and their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own work of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge the body of Christ. Now, I'm painting a picture in our first lesson here to see how God is going to touch a multitude of people. And and how's he going to do this? Well, the effective way God's going to do this is he's going to take the greatest resource that he has. And that is believers in the body of Christ who are in the church all over the world. God is going to empower them. And we're going to take another lesson where we're going to talk about empowerment, how you are empowered to do this. And uh, that God is going to take the greatest resource that he has all over the world. And that is the saints of God, believers, to do the work of the ministry. If we're going to see a great harvest of souls, it's not going to come from just inviting people to church. Now we will cover this in another lesson, but right now, if I travel all over the world, and, and since uh, 2006, when God started to, to bring all this together for me, uh, we've been to many nations where we've done this teaching. And as soon as we can get out again, we've actually got more nations that have contacted me since we've had lockdown than before the lockdown that we will go and we're going to teach this uh, in the nations around the world. Because why? Let me tell you one of the reasons. When I was in Bahrain a couple of years ago, a- and I taught this lesson that I'm teaching you today, uh, when, I, when the pastor got up. The first thing he said, he said, oh, thank you so much. You've just made my job so much easier. Because pastors are under an incredible expectation, you know, have we got the music right, have we got the carpet right, have we got the heating right, have we got the lighting right, have we got the sound right, you know. Uh, and, you know, all those things are relevant and important. But, folks, at the end of the day, it's not bringing people into the kingdom of God. Now churches, oh man, it is so important. I, I believe that the, the, the local church is going to be the centre of what God is about to do. And uh, we're about to see, a, 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 you know, we're in the midst right now of change. And uh, there's there's big change coming, you know, the world talks about the new norm and all sorts of stuff. Well folks, what we want to do is that we want to seek God and find out what God's new norm is because this pandemic didn't catch God unawares he already knew what was coming and he already knows what he's going to do and I believe part of uh, of what we'll be teaching you over the next six or seven weeks this is part of God's plan no matter which way I look at this and how I delve into it I can see this is part of God's plan raising up uh, the, the believers in the church to do the work of the ministry. You know, let me just give you some figures. I did some research. This is really interesting uh, because uh, I did some research and found out that 3% of the Christian population is made up of the fivefold ministry, 3%. Well, that's obviously not very many. And yet we have expected the fivefold ministry to do all the work. When I was in uh, Thailand uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I, and I taught this in a church over there. After the meeting, a mother came up. She was very excited with her son. She said, my son has wanted to go and pray for people and get people saved, and I told him, you cannot do that. Only pastors and evangelists can do that. Now, where did they get that idea from? That's what was taught from the pulpit, and and I have found in a number of countries where this takes place. And so she was so excited. She said, he's always wanted to go do it. Thank you for what you've taught he can now go and do it. Can you imagine, uh, you, know, there's, you know, sometimes Christians get very discouraged. You know, what, what can I do? You know, the, I can't get into the pulpit. I, I, why won't the pastor let me have the pulpit? You, you don't want the pastor's pulpit. Seriously. You know, I often say to people, if, 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 you, if you believe God's calling you to the fivefold ministry, run! And if you can't outrun God, then do it. You don't want to choose to do this. And, you know, I think Christians are discouraged because they haven't found their ministry and they're trying to get into somebody else's ministry. But I want to tell you right now, believers, saints of God, the most exciting ministry that, is going to be, uh, that we're going to be moving into in the days ahead is not being the pastor. It's going to be the believer because the believers are going to be out there doing the work of the ministry, which we're going to talk about in future lessons, of uh, expecting God to open a door and uh, for you to share the gospel and pray for the sick uh, i mean we're gonna we're gonna just drive the devil completely out of his mind because there are going to be believers everywhere that are going to step up so what i want to bring out tonight and this is really where we're, we're heading tonight is that this uh, revival will never take place without you stepping up and doing your part now you've got a great church here and a great pastor and we pray for you guys every night And there's some awesome pastors and awesome ministries around our nation. But just because your pastor's awesome and this is an awesome church, you're not going to win a multitude of people just because you've got a great pastor and a great church. It's only going to happen when, as believers, we do our part. Now, I um, I did some uh, looking up on the... Let me just give you some figures here that... Uh, the Pew Research Center in America tells us there's about 2.17 billion Christians in the world. Now, if we take 3% of that figure, that is 65 million people in that figure that are in the five-fold ministry. And uh, a little bit more research tells me up until today, 120 million people have been born on planet Earth. 58 million have died. And... Um, That's leaving 62 million people added to the population this year. There are 7.4 billion people on planet Earth. 31% of those are Christians. I'm just painting a picture for you here. Now listen. So here it is. We're expecting now 65 million, the fivefold ministry, to go out and reach the still unreached in the world. Folks, just simple mathematics tells you it cannot be done. It cannot be done. But you know, God said in Acts chapter 2, he said, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You know, one thing, you know, when I look at prophecy, the number one area I want to look at is what does the word of God say? Now, you know, there are different people that maybe have a prophetic gift and there's All sorts of prophecies floating around at the moment uh, from all different angles. But I like to go to the Bible and find out what the prophetic word says. And God says in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So it doesn't matter what country you are in. And for those that are listening, you might come from another country. I've got some exciting news for you. God's going to pour out his spirit on your nation. Now I go to a lot of nations, I go to the Middle East, I go to Europe, I go to America, I go to Asia, I go to the Pacific Islands. Oh man, it's amazing the different places God has taken us since 2006 with this message. And I, 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 I get excited everywhere I go because I tell them exactly the same as I'm telling you, God's going to pour out his spirit on your nation. And I don't care what it looks like, I don't care what you're going through. You know, I was talking to a pastor tonight and he says, oh... I don't know whether it's true or not but he said Australia's under attack because we got such a spiritual calling on our lives and I thought oh, well maybe I don't know about that but I speak to people in other countries we are under a little attack we are under an attack but folks let me tell you it doesn't make any difference about the attack of the enemy because he's defeated and God's about to awaken what I'd call a sleeping giant that is the saints of God who are going to be empowered by the Spirit of God to do the work of the ministry? You know, one thing about revivals, and and you know, I've looked at some revivals, is any time that God starts a new move of God, it looks like it's not going to work, and it looks like the church is ignoring it or even getting mad at it and not wanting to do it. But God always wins, amen. He always wins, and so uh, you know. Uh, when I first started teaching this, it was really interesting because I even had pastors get mad at me for teaching this because they, they wanted to build their church. And I said, well, wait a minute. Maybe we should build his kingdom and let him build our church because he said he would, you know, uh, that we were to build his kingdom and he would build our church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it because all those pastors are a bit mad at me at the beginning and are no longer mad. We're, we're moving along and getting along because this message is not one that I made up and I'm not the only one preaching it. This is gathering more steam around the world. And see, I'd like to say, and I didn't preach this when I was going around before, but gee, was the back of my mind. What would we do? Now, this is relevant for today. What would, what would we do if churches closed down and we couldn't meet? What would we do? Because we've been almost conditioned, as it were, that it happens in the building. But what if we can't meet in the building? What are we going to do then? Well, I believe, and there are some countries I go to, by the way, you cannot meet in a building. You just can't do it. And other places where, anyway, I won't go into that. I've been into some interesting places. So what if we couldn't? And right now, that's where we are. So we should be expecting an incredible move of God, not because we can't get in the building, but because the believers are on fire looking at how they can reach out to people in their world. And we're going to touch on that in, in some future lessons. So, you know, can you just imagine right now that God's pouring out his spirit on all flesh? That means in every nation, every 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 nation any part of the world there's going to be a move of god that's going to be so dynamic that we are going to be almost i don't know mind blown boggled <laughs> overwhelmed i mean th- th- there's never going to be a, there's never been a day like we are, are now i was i was watching something today and someone was saying there's never been a time like this never been a time like this well, you know, I'd like to say in the kingdom of God, we're walking into a time that there's never been a time like this. I mean, everywhere we go, there's miracles taking place. There's people getting saved. The believers are out there getting more on fire, more passionate, and not being moved. And as I said, I've come from countries where persecution was, was, was uh, rife, and, uh, but the believers, instead of hiding, got more bold, and they went out. And uh, even now, I was reading a report the other day, China is going through a very difficult time at the moment, but they're saying that evangelism in China, and it's happening through believers, because that's how it works over there, that the church is growing exponentially. And uh, I tell you, it's an exciting time to be alive. So you can just imagine, you know, um, let me see. I've got here, if 50% of believers started fulfilling the ministry of the believer that would be 1.085 billion people just i mean can you imagine god's got a plan you know he's just not going to have a little dab at it he he's got a plan that that's 50 if 25% of believers went out and did the work of the ministry listen that would be half of 500 million people you know remember we had 63 Million fivefold ministry. Can you imagine now when God is raising up the saints of God to do the work of the ministry? Now here's here's a problem. I was um, a number of years ago. uh, I was in a church and uh, this lady came up to me. She said, "I've, "I've been inviting a friend to come to church and she won't come." So I said, "Well, how many times have you invited?" She said, "I've invited her four times and I really, really want her to come to church." well I'm just one of those type of people, I want to know why so I said what's the purpose of her coming, to? why do you want her to come to church because she was really passionate about this and she was almost upset this lady would not come, I said what do you want her to come to, what's the purpose, she said oh I want to get her saved, I said oh goodness gracious me, I said if that's what you want why don't you get her saved she said what I've heard all over the world she said I don't know how and this remember my journey started in 2006 and so I'd started to talk to people and what I found out is that believers had no idea how to get somebody saved all they knew was if I've got to invite them to church and of course by doing that we're hoping the pastors got the right anointing on that day <laughs> If I go to all this trouble and she comes and he fouls it up on me, what am I going to do then? So I said to her, well, Why don't you get saved? And she said, I don't know how. And, and I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I, look, hear, now hear me right here. I've even had pastors tell me, I don't know how. I'm okay in the pulpit. But when I'm out of the pulpit, I don't know how. You know, I was in Papua New Guinea and I was teaching in a Bible school. And, uh, and, and all this was sort of going around and around and around. And then at, uh, I taught there for the whole week. And on the last day, I was down the shopping centre and one of the students was there and I was talking to him. And I said to him, what are you going to do when you finish this Bible school? He didn't know. I said, well, you're a believer. You're supposed to be getting people saved and praying for the sick. Are you doing that? And he said, no. And I said, why not? And he said, I don't know how. And I was the last teacher at that Bible school. And so everybody had been through three months training every day. And at the end of it, here's a student with the rest of them, didn't know how. And I went back to my room and I laid on the bed and this was just going around and around and around in me. And then this, that's when the Spirit of God spoke to me said, Son, you need to put a training course together to train believers how to do this. Because if you, the Bible says you have to equip or train the saints. Train them. If you don't teach them how to do this, they're not going to automatically do it. And so that's when uh, this developed, the course that I'm I'm, I'm bringing here to this church, is that uh, God said, now, if you'll go train people to do this, you know, and so that's what we're doing. And then the Lord said to me, if you will train a million believers over the next 10 years and uh, each one of those reaches out to people. You could touch a hundred million people. Boy, that was an assignment and a half that God gave us. And so we are really passionate now with the course, which I'll be bringing to you uh, over the next uh, few weeks, to train you how you can reach out to people in your world it's like driving a car and you know if uh, you wanted to learn to drive a car and suddenly i said to you well what i want you to do is i want you to sit in the passenger seat and here's a manual i want you to read it and so after week after week after week you sat in the passenger seat and i drove the car and i said you know you need to read the manual again this went on for two or three months. After a while, you'd get very discouraged. In, I thought I was going to learn how to drive. No, you just read the manual. And I guess that's what we've done. Come to church, listen to the pastor, read the manual. But what we want to do is put you in the driver's seat because that's the only way that you will learn. And uh, for those of you that have got your license, and most of you probably have, when you first started, you probably ran up the gutter. and If it was your mum or dad or and said, brake, brake! Turn left. Stop. Get out. Let me drive. You know, uh, but we put you back in eventually, until you learned how to drive. I remember I was talking to a pastor in Russia. A number of years ago, and he told me he said, "When the Berlin Wall, uh, when the, the wall came down and uh, and Russia was opened, and missionaries came in." He told me this story. He said, it's like a father said to the son, I'm going to, let's go down to the creek and teach you how to fish. And so the boy gets real excited and so they go down to the, to the creek and dad, dad says, I'll show you how to do it first. So he baits the hook up and he throws it in and next thing he's catching a fish. And, and uh, so dad's really excited. And the boy says, well, this looks good, dad, you know. And so the, the dad does it again, throws it in, catches another fish. And then he doesn't catch another fish. And, and the boy says, Dad, Dad, when are you going to teach me to fish? He said, I'll teach you another day. The fish are biting today. Let, I'll keep fishing. And he said, What happened was when people came in from the West and they started to preach the gospel, they were going to come over and help us. But what happened is the, the impact is that people started getting saved and they started having miracles and they pushed the Russian pastors aside. And they just did the job. And then when it all slowed down, they left and left the Russian pastors without teaching them. So, folks, it's important that we teach you how to do the work of the ministry. And so we want to help equip you in a way that's going to change your world. But more importantly, listen, it's going to change the people in your world that you want to get saved. Now... You know, since I've started teaching this, and uh, we'll share some more examples of another lesson today, we're just going to introduce what we're going to be looking at. But one of the things that has happened is that as we teach this and people step out to share with people in their world, they're starting to see huge changes. Uh, You know, let me just tell one story. Uh, We have, uh, when we were pastoring, uh, we had a lady, she came to our church every Sunday. Now, we did everything we could to invite her husband to come to things. And he'd come and pick her up, come and have a cup of tea afterwards. We had coffee and tea afterwards. He'd come and have a cup of tea. Do you think we could get him to come to into the church? and come? To, no way. And we tried everything. And uh, as a church, we, we, we did a lot of different things, just like any other church would do, but we couldn't get him to come. Well, then I taught her in which we're going to teach you instead of inviting people to church we're going to invite them to heaven because what we've primarily done is that we've tried to invite people to church but I, I've done this all over the world in, in all the countries I go to where I teach this I say to them I don't know about you but in Australia If we invite people to church, they don't want to come. And I ask them in your country, is this the same here? And every country I go to, I get the same answer. Yes, it's the same here. So we teach people, instead of inviting people to church, why don't we invite them to heaven? Because that's where people want to go, but we never invite them to heaven. We invite them to church. They don't want to come to church, but they want to go to heaven, but we never invite them to heaven. And so we're going to teach you how to invite people to heaven Now, if you can get into church, pastors, hang on, there's a good end story to this. But if you can get into church, get into church. But folks, part of the discipling process, remember I said there are three things that that the the, um, believers do, is get people saved, pray for sick, and disciple people. So when you get somebody saved, then part of the discipling process involves getting to read their Bible, to pray, maybe you get them water baptised and bring them to church because we're going to teach you down in another lesson that when they get saved now God's got something to work with and we'll, we'll get more into that in another lesson and so we, we taught and, and this lady that I'm talking about uh, you know, we taught her instead of inviting her husband to church why don't you invite him to heaven so she took him out for breakfast one day and, uh, and he's actually was, he's Jewish And uh, so she sat down and she said to him, uh, when you die, do you want to go to heaven? Well, it turned out he did. All these years, we were banging on the wrong door. We're trying to get him to come to church. He didn't want to go to church. But when he was asked, did he want to go to heaven? Yes, he did. He probably wanted to go for the last 20 years, but no one bothered to ask him. And I'm challenging you right now, how many people in your world want to find out about heaven, but we never ask them and we never talk to them? Anyway, so he said yes, and so over breakfast, out in this cafe, she led her husband to the Lord. Now, let me just finish off the story here, because it's a good story. I think it might have been even 12 months, and uh, he didn't come to church. But then one morning, Sunday morning, he got up early, said, what time does church start? And uh, she said, told him what time church start? He got dressed, came to church, and he hasn't missed church since. I will tell more stories in a later lesson about how God can touch people's lives when you get them saved and, and get them into church. So I want you to know, Pastor, what we want to do, and, and Saints of God, what we want to do is that we want to see a great harvest of souls coming in. And as we uh, uh, build God's kingdom, he's going to build our church. But the main, the number one thing we really want to do is we want to see people coming into the kingdom and 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 getting saved. You know, one of the other things that uh, will take place, and we'll look at this in another lesson, because we're going to talk about miracles, and we're going to teach you how to have a miracle, how to pray for the sick. And uh, since we've been teaching this, we've had miracles all over the world. I have not been in a meeting yet where we haven't had miracles and where we've taught the saints of God how to pray. And I've been into... T- I mean, I've been into Baptist churches. I've been into other churches that don't even believe in healing. Man, I don't care what you believe. I'm going to show you what the Bible says. We do what the Bible says. You know what we're going to have? Miracles. Always have. I can remember one Baptist church where uh, afterwards, and we'd had some incredible miracles, and so we had some testimonies. This was in India. And one guy stood up and said, well, we're Baptists, and we we don't believe in miracles, but we do now because we just saw them. So folks... We're going to see some outstanding miracles. This is going to be really one of the key elements of this next move of God. And it's often said that miracles are a dinner bell, you know, to prove that Jesus is Lord and that he is alive. I, I love a message that I preach from time to time is that we, you know, why would you want to believe in Jesus unless we can prove to you that he is alive today and he's still doing the same works he did in his earthly ministries and folks that is something that we can do listen no other uh, group or religion on earth has this authority and this ability because jesus is alive and so uh, as we start moving into all this uh, let's just ha- let me just have a look at another scripture and uh Uh, which is going to be John chapter 12, verse 14, which I think I've got somewhere, but I don't know what I did with that. I'll leave that there. John chapter 12, verse 14. Thanks. And uh, John chapter 12 and verse 14 says, yes, well, that's interesting of Okay. Uh, what to I do with my Bible? Oh there it is. Just bear with me folks while I make sure I've given you the right scripture. I think it's John twelve fourteen. I think it's John 14 12. fourteen twelve. Fourteen twelve, thank you, Pastor.
0: 14, okay. John twelve
1: spell the donkey. Oh okay. <laughs> that might have fit somewhere, but not today. Okay. <laughs> yes here's what jesus said in in john 14 12 most assuredly i say to you and and, and so let's uh, the underlying uh passage here who's he talking to you so if you're listening to this today i want you to know jesus if you're wanting a word from the lord someone says can you give me a word from?" here it is he's talking to you So he says, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Now, see, here's Jesus now. He is saying, those who believe in me. You know, sometimes we say, well, what qualifies me to pray for the sick? What qualifies me? Do I have to be in the five-fold ministry? Do I have to go through Bible school? Do I have to be a Christian for three, four, five years, go through the, the, the basics of the church principles before I can do anything? No, no. All those things are relevant, but they're not the criteria. They're not the yardstick. They're not what releases you to do it. What releases you is, Jesus and those who believe in me they will do the same works that I do. So I'm going to encourage each and every one of you listening here today, because you believe in Jesus, he's speaking to you, and he is saying to you, go out, do the same works that I did. And what were the same works that Jesus did? Well, blind eyes were opened, deaf could hear, cripples could walk, the dead were raised, demons were cast out. And is this just an exclusive uh, for a, a, a group of people no this is for the body of christ you know now let me just say again that this is a course for believers you know i've had people say oh well, now pastor jim's going to come and he's going to talk about evangelism well no i'm not i'm not talking about an evangelist or evangelism i'm talking about believers ministry so we get out of our mind this is what evangelists do And I'm not an evangelist. I'm not training evangelists to be evangelists. I'm training believers to do the work of the ministry. Amen? There's a big difference. Now, the reason why I want to clarify that is because if we're not careful, we can push this aside and say, well, uh, that's not my gift. We're not talking about gifts. We're talking about your assignment from the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you now, because you believe in him, he expects you to do the same works that he did and greater works. Why? Because he's not going to be here. He's going to go to be with the Father, and he left you behind with the assignment that he started in his earthly ministry to go out and to pray for the sick and get people saved. Folks, tonight, as I said, we're just doing an introduction uh, into this uh, uh, teaching that we want to do over the next uh, five or six weeks, and uh, and I'm impressing on you tonight your part in this next move of God. If you're wondering, what do I do? What is my gift? You know, where do I stand in the body of Christ? Well, here's the good news: you have the most important part. You're going to go out and reach people in your world, people in your world that 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 you know that are not saved. And we're going to teach you to expect God to open a door, and we'll get into that in some future lessons, to open a door for you to share the gospel. You know, let me just finish here with Isaiah chapter 43. You know, one of the things that we're looking at now, and it's really interesting as I get to talk to pastors all over the world in different places, and uh, we're all looking at what is God about to do? What What is What is next on God's assignment for the church? And uh, I look here at Isaiah chapter 43, and, um, and of course the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, and they saw some miracles, and the Red Sea was parted, and a whole lot of stuff happened. And, you know, we can celebrate the things that we've done in the past, but God doesn't want us to live there. And so God is talking to the children of Israel in verse 18. And Isaiah 43 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Folks, I think this is very uh, applicable for the church right now. We can't go back to what we used to do. There has to be change. Now, I'm praying that soon we'll get back together and we can meet in churches and that we can do it without masks and without a whole lot of other stuff and we can get back in doing things but even doing that we don't want to go back to what we used to do, what we want to do and here it goes on here here because in verse 9 it says behold or look get ready I will do a new thing now it shall spring forth shall you not know it I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert the beasts of the field will honour me the jackals and the ostrich because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people my chosen you know god is about to do something new and uh, we want to be ready to fulfill what god's called us to do in the uh, 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 uh the um the living translation it says uh, uh, oh, let me read that it said but forget all that that has already taken place he gives a list before you can go back and read it he said forget all that can you just imagine God saying, coming up to, to the church today, forget all that. Forget what you've already done. No, but Lord, what we did. No, no, forget that. He, he said, listen, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And, and I, tell you, I get very excited about this because we're about to move into something now which we won't be able to compare with what God's going to do with what we've done in the past. You know, I love the story of the disciples, you know when jesus went to the cross and he died they, they panicked they went and hid themselves then they they gave up the ministry they went fishing and jesus had to get them across the line because in that moment between the the old covenant finishing the new covenant it was really a hard time it was in no man's land it looked like nothing much was happening It looked like everything had fallen apart a little bit like we are today But on the day of Pentecost, listen, everything changed. You couldn't compare on the day of Pentecost what they had already had in the past. And when they got through Pentecost, they never wanted to go back to where they were. Listen, forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the field will thank me, the jackals and the owl too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I'll make rivers in the dry places so my chosen people can be refreshed. Folks, I believe this is very applicable for what we're about to do now, what we're about to step into. And uh, I I just appreciate your pastor and and the vision that he's had. And uh, I, I like the fact, one book on the shelf and here it is the challenge for all of us me included is what we do with what god is now releasing the church into it's going to be a most exciting time it's going to have its own challenges but folks we're going to move into a move of god i believe it'll probably be the last move before jesus comes back for his church it probably won't last very long but it'll be the most effective move that'll see millions and millions of people everywhere in every nation, every corner of the earth, coming into the kingdom of God. And so tonight, we just laid the foundation for your ministry, Saints of God. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks as we do some more teaching and preparing you to do the work of the ministry. Next week's lesson uh, is going to be entitled... God's passion for people. And so we're going to look at God's passion for people and the challenge will be God's got such an incredible passion for people. Should, if he has a passion for people, shouldn't we have a passion for people? So we're going to look at that next week. So God bless you. and We look forward to catching up with you then.